What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good, good morning. Are you ready to say yes to spirit? I am. I'm getting there. You're getting there. <laughs> we'll see if we can bring you along with us <laughs> as we get forward. Say yes to spirit, encouraging you on your spiritual path. Welcome. And our theme for this week is Living from the Inside Out. It is show number 78. 78, that sounds like a lucky number, doesn't it? Mm, I don't know. For somebody. (laughs) And um, before we jump into that theme for the week, we always try to connect the dots with the previous week. What did we talk about last week? And what, if anything, does that have to do or does that lead us into the conversation this week? And last week our theme was walking through walls walking through the walls of divorce and loss and shame and fear. We came up with the idea that there might not really be walls, if I remember correctly. And I'm thinking, I'm wondering if, if I'm living from the inside out, if I'm, if that's an authentic way of living, then there would be no walls associated with that type of living me, well, that would be a bit of a connecting the dot. So, whatever. <laughs> Not so much for you, Tracy. Well, I mean, without going back and rehashing last week's show. Which I loved, which you should listen to the archives. If you, I'd love to have people's feedback on the uh, the concept that we came It was a around. fun show. It was an interesting show. And it is a a paradoxical question of if you are living, um, if you are living in divine wisdom, if you are living from your spiritual core, when things happen, do you even see them as walls? Um, And even as I agree with that, I know that because we are living a human experience, we are going to have human experiences, and it's our human experience that labels it as a wall. So I don't think it's possible to live life without having the walls. The difference is that we close the gap more quickly. We notice it and we shift versus we notice it and we lay in it for 10 years or 10 months. See, and if you're, if you're um, a, a repeat listener, then you'll know that Leslie is really striving to live that human experience without being human. So yes, that's yes, where you do I, have that as a goal. That's, that's that's it. That's it. So we have that little, you know, little little nuance of uh, of a different way of looking at that. So and I you think, are firmly grounded there, I am which is firmly hilarious. grounded that I can have the human experience without being human. Yes. Yes. That I can be <laughs> completely in connected to the spiritual experience. Spiritual. What is the saying? I'm a spiritual being having a human experience. Yes. 
and that so is true. Go. But there is that second yeah, part of that. Having a human experience. Uh, I think I can I think I can transcend that and still be in body form. Mm. I do have that belief. For an extended period of time. Yes. Yes. Okay, so, so that's time for, for a break. Time for a break to and talk about living from the inside out. Authentic 
Well, it's authentic if I want to go. Yeah, it's authentic. <laughs> it's authentically what I want uh-huh. and what I, you know, what I want. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Or what's going to give me power or what's, you know, but from a spiritually, spiritual grounding, from your spiritual values, which really do come from the inside, not the outside. Made yourself smile. Well, yeah, I'm thinking it does. The spiritual values and the spiritual foundation comes from the inside, not the outside. Although I was hearing that I was hearing people in my head argue with me that no, my spiritual values come from the fact that I was raised Catholic and the Catholic Church taught me values, or the Baptist Church taught me, you know, morality and values, and that's, you know, not from the inside that's being taught. But what we're talking about is as adults, however you got to your spiritual connection, where it's really inside of you versus, you know, you may have learned some things in religion. Uh Uh-huh. Right. And then at some point as an adult or as a teen or as an adult, you begin to internalize what is right for you what is spiritually grounded for you. And would you say that it takes more courage sometimes to live from the intuitive spiritual base of the inside than to follow the external mantra of the of the world? Would you say that it takes more courage or... Um, sometimes can create a um you know a sense of being ostracized i like that word ostracized you want to say it again ostracized <laughs> it makes you smile ostracized well you know i think the answer to that is yes it can sometimes be that and yes it can also sometimes be harder the other way around so that's one of those answers, always yes, um, because if I, like in my life, most of the time, even as a teen, thinking back, most of the time I have been surrounded by or I have chosen to interact with people who came not so much from a religious perspective, but from a very grounded, spiritual, you know, basic, respectful perspective. And so most of the time, it's not hard. In fact, the people who are closest to me hold me to that standard. So it's not it's not generally difficult for me to... But I can imagine... If I, you know, if I had a different set of friends or if I were in, if I put myself in different social settings, that it might be, that it could be more Mm -hmm. challenging. The possibility is there. Right, right. And I do think, what is it, I've heard the catchphrase of living my faith, not just having faith, but living my faith or living my Mm -hmm. belief. Mm-hmm. is that deeper sense of um, expression. And many times 
um, for me, coming from a new thought perspective or when I was involved with the Christian mystic group, that perspective, there is something to be said that, that my perspective didn't meet um, your everyday kind of Christianity that I would come across a lot in the workplace. And so it was always an interesting opportunity for me to keep my mouth shut or for me to share my, yeah, that kind of tells you which way I usually went. But it was, uh, and I think it was always kind of fun to um, get into some of those conversations with people that, you know, were open to having those kind of conversations. And um, I always do really want to um, say how I feel or what I'm doing or, you know, not really explain necessarily, but certainly give a frame of why, I'm doing what I'm doing if it seems kind of odd because I'm trying to live my faith. Do we have a comment on that about living in your faith? Tracy Brown, do you have a comment about living your faith? Well, I, I think that is what living from the inside out is about. Even And maybe we could have named the, this week's show that, you know, living from your faith, living and really walking consistently mm-hmm. and authentically from a faith perspective. And you mentioned earlier this whole concept of a spiritual being having a human experience. And so how do we close the gap where our human experiences are more often than not fueled by, driven by, inspired by our what we know to be our spiritual truth, our spiritual foundation, the fact that our spiritual being really is the core of who we are. Um and I and it's you know that it's funny because I'm sitting here thinking about on the one hand it seems like, well that should be really easy. It should come naturally. Right. I mean, that, you know, and then then there again is the, that little detail of, but we're human, and we are having the human experience. Yeah, it's a very small detail. Yeah, very, very, very tiny detail. So, um, yeah, living from the inside out. So this is one of those weeks where, one of those shows where, um, you know, it's not so much knowing where it's going to go, but it's like this is a really interesting topic. Sometimes you talk about how important it is for us to, for all of us, to have people in our lives we can have conversations with that really do close the gap between what we intellectually know or have learned about faith and spirituality and the core of our being and close the gap with how we actually live. Like, what does that really mean and how do I apply it in my life? And this is one of those topics. You mean the concept of actually living what I what I talk about on Sunday mornings? Yeah. yeah. And... Um, and sometimes it's easy to talk about or hear a preacher or a minister or a spiritual leader talk about staying true to the Ten Commandments or staying true to what is taught in the Quran or the Torah or the Bible. And that, you know, the guidelines are right there for you. And so just go do it. 
And if you did, just go do it, then you'd be living from that inner wisdom, right? And for me, for me, the question is more, if I, if I have a real clear understanding that it is an inner wisdom or an inner idea that's coming bubbling up, I will always take action on it. I think my always my my big dilemma is discernment. Yeah. And understanding like you were talking about the ego, I wanna do what I wanna do when I wanna do it. And um I can get a really strong feeling and it can be total ego and I can really get confused if it's the ego that's wanting to do it or if it's a a higher spiritual calling and and I have absolutely taken action that I thought was the inner wisdom moving me into, you know, a fairly unpopular kind of action and it was only after the fact that I kind of clearly was able to see, you know, that was ego. And I think, for me, the journey of getting the discernment and being able to understand physically, okay, where does my inner little tiny still voice talk from? How do I know if I'm moving in the direction? Uh, Reverend Petra, last Sunday at the Center for Spiritual Living in Dallas, one of the parts of her sermon, she talked about how the universe will respond to our movement like that old game, hot-cold, if you're moving towards um, the object, you would say you know you're, you're getting hotter and hotter, and, and if you're moving away from the object, you would say cold, cold, cold. And I think that really sunk in with me in terms of now I can be aware of my physical, like the back of my neck, and I have a little kind of a sensory thing on the top of my head. That somehow, if I'm aware physically of what's going on around me, I mean, within me, I know now if I'm getting, if I'm moving in a spiritual direction or if I'm moving in an ego direction, my body will physically tell me, oh, this is warm, this is hotter, you're doing well, so forth, or, oh, this is ego, this is you wanting what you want, this is you wanting to perform or be the one to be. So it's an interesting thing, but I have to slow down enough to pay attention to those signs Mm-hmm. Just moving. You know, I love I love that you went there for a couple of reasons. One, it reminded me of the whole science around applied kinesiology and how our body really does, if we're tuned into it, our, yes. our body can give us definite signs that we are for or against or that we need or don't need any specific given thing. Um, and... And how that's true simply for our daily behavior as well. If we are trained, if we train ourselves to pay attention to the, you know, our bodies are amazing, complex mechanisms. I mean, you know, Uh it's like if we are not telling the truth, there are certain things that happen physiologically every, you know, every time. And if you pay attention to it or if someone is not good for you or has, you know, it's like, but most of us don't 
listen or or listen with our not just our ears but our intuition on a regular enough basis to what our body is trying to tell us right to that we pattern. just keep going on right because there are patterns and your pattern right is not going to be necessarily the same as mine right and so you have to each one of us has to notice and and honor our own Patterns, and I think that is a good clue when we talk about this, you know, kind of ethereal thing of living from the inside out. And what? How do you know if you're doing it? Well, if you're paying attention to the patterns when you're doing what you know to be true and good, and you pay attention to the patterns when you're not, you'll start to see them. And for me, I really had to. It was a process of seeing the outcome. Because when I was going through it, I swear, I thought I was doing spiritual thing for years. And it was the ego. And I had to then, I had to look at the outcome. And then I could see, oh, that was ego. And then I would go back and, I'm a journaler, and I would be able to journal. I would be able to read the feelings of the inner um, experiences I was having along the way. And then I could start picking up some of those patterns. And so it was a process of, doing it wrong <laughs> for me to then be able to see, oh, okay, that's... Well, isn't that, though, the human experience that you Damn so, it. Damn it. so much you don't want to have? <laughs> I mean, when a toddler is learning to walk, they do it wrong a lot until they get it, until they find their balance, <laughs> right? right? And they're, so they're not really doing it wrong. They're learning and falling. They're standing and falling. They're taking two steps and falling. And then, you know, the day they walk 10 steps across the, you know, from the one chair to the length of the couch to reach you, you're so excited because it's like, they've got it now. They put 10 or 12 consecutive steps together and they're, you know, but it wasn't that they failed and they weren't doing it wrong. They were learning. Learning, right, right, right. And so that's, I think, a lot of what we do in our lives that we, you know, we don't, we 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 stand up and we're leaning on the table and we're like, I got it now, yay! And then we fall down, right? Because it's oh, I have some support here. Okay, now I'm getting this. And then you walk five steps and you go, oh, I did get it to this level, right? But I my goal is really to be on the other side of the room. So what more do I need to learn? How do I find my balance in the world so that I really can walk? And, um, you know, and then after you do that for a while, you get some more information and you start running. So I, I just, you know, I don't know about the, especially around spiritual development, I think that people are where they are supposed to be when they are where they are. And that it is the that was really deep, Tracy. Well, no, what where they're supposed to be, where they are, that where they are. Just everything is happening exactly the way it's supposed to. And in spiritual development, that you know, we have these dozens of denominations, dozens of religions, and hundreds of denominations, and you know, people gravitate where they're supposed to be. To learn the lessons they're supposed to learn. At the time when they're supposed to learn. 
you know, that brings up a really strange philosophical banter in my head, which, of course, I have to say aloud. Um, years ago, I did a lot of training on the um, path or the, I don't remember the language for it anymore, but the um, disease of alcoholism, the disease of addiction, and the and the path that that would take. And we would draw kind of an upside-down bell. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how back in the old days, people used to say alcoholics had to go all the way down the bell and hit their bottom before they could come come up on the other side and start getting into recovery. Mm-hmm. And uh, what they would, you know, pay all the treatment centers and all of us a lot of money for was to do this new thing that we called raising people's bottom mm-hmm. through education and through getting out and talking about the disease and going into elementary schools and junior highs and high schools and educating people about the disease. You could, in effect, start going down that bell curve on the left and through education or through intervention, many times it was teaching people how to do interventions, which you have that TV show now, which is really fascinating to me because now it's really popular to do what we used to do. But you do an intervention where you sit down and you say, hey, Fred, if you don't stop drinking, the whole family's moving to Pittsburgh and you're going to stay here alone so you can bring that bottom up. Mm-hmm. And as you were talking, I'm wondering if through, quote, unquote, education or through talking or through having more authentic conversations, if we can force people into more authentic living, because that's kind of what you're doing, you're kind of forcing the addict into making mm-hmm. a choice about getting into recovery sooner than losing their job and their family. And so and the idea is you're, quote, unquote, helping them, right? So if we're if we become more active in talking and um, confronting is such a good word, but, you know, suggesting to people, here's where I see you not living authentically, or here's where I felt like you weren't living from giving people this maybe unsolicited sometimes feedback that I give them, um, you know, <laughs> that, that you know, we either help or hurt maybe, you know, but in terms of, to me, the, the kind of responsibility, I guess, really, of, taking my fellow man with me. I just have such a strong feeling about that. If I see someone not living, you know, because I can see an authentic life. I'm, 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 I'm the master how of understanding. You know I know. I know. Well, I can know what's not the authentic life for someone else. I'll sit there, you know, you're you're something not, not authentic. <laughs> because I think it's, 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 it's a difficult kind of thing to say aloud. But I do think... <laughs> That I, but I you guess know what's best for them. Not best, no, 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 no not, not better. better even, not even better, but authentic. They're being very the authentic. The truth of people, the truth of people. If I, if I philosophically know that, that everyone's one, and we're all the truth of us is whole and pure and perfect, perfect, perfect. I can't even I like speak perfect. Um, then if someone's acting outside of that, I know that. If, if I'm acting outside of that, you know that. It's more of a question, am I going to step into you and say, man, that is not coming from your true authentic self? Or am I just going to sit back and watch and go, man, that stove's hot. She's just about to touch the stove. There she goes. She's going to touch the stove. And that's an experience she must need to have in her life. Yeah, yeah. But then you because get the, there's some lesson or growth that's going to come from that. So there goes the bell curve. So see the philosoph- philosophical banter of, Raising the bottom bottom of of that bell curve. And 
I mean, this is deep. You get you get and the idea, though. What if that person needs to have a certain type or depth of experience? Pain. Well, yeah, which goes to the my, the book I'm writing. Is it pain or is it preparation? Well, mm. it's pain, but is it punishment or is it preparation? Mm. That pain can be a preparation for who you are traveling the road of life to become. And not, you know, not physical pain so much as emotional strife, struggle kind of pain. Um, so, I, so I'm a little conflicted because, yes, I, I totally agree with you on the one hand that we have a responsibility to each other to hold each other in that light of perfection right. and in that and honoring that you are not broken, you are whole, you are perfect, you are complete. Right. And if I can help you remember that, I mean, if someone calls me and asks for prayer, it's because they're asking me to help them remember or remember for them when they cannot remember that really, you know, they are a child of God. So, you know, it's like, yes, and I have friends, and I expect my friends to you know, kind of pull me, like you're, you're, you're right. come on, Tracy, uh, come back to the light, <laughs> right, you know, um, you're you're depressed or you're making some choices that don't seem to be making you happy. I think that's the difference now that I'm saying it out loud. If someone can say to me, I know you have shared with me what you want and how you see yourself and you're making these choices that don't seem to fit with that, how can I support you or here's something for you to read or think about or I saw this book and I thought you might like it. I, that feels a little better to me because it's they're reacting in terms of my construct of myself. And I was reacting to the way you said what you said that you, like, you know, but I know that they, even if they don't know it, I know it. Uh-huh. So they need to stop that and I'm, I can help them. It's like stepping into their story or slapping them while they're in their story, not letting them, yeah. And that it's like they don't have the story yet of what their life could be. But holding someone who you know what their story is to their, you know, their story and offering them, yeah. Take a different word besides story, maybe. Yeah, because yeah. I was thinking story right, has two right, right. sides of it, too, like everything else. But yeah, if I know that someone is um, is is spiritually grounded and they are not living in alignment with that, then I'm gonna offer to support them back to what I know for them. But if it's someone who I don't know is spiritually grounded, my question usually usually I'll come to them with questions to try to to try to find out what they really believe spiritually. Because then it's even it's even what I do in corporate work. So I do a do a lot of work with diversity and inclusion in corporations and large associations, and I am very clear about the business impact, and I am very clear about how diversity and inclusion, if it's paid attention to, can increase productivity, can improve customer service, because when people are working more effectively with each other then magical things can happen, right? 
I am also really very clear that from a spiritual place, a spiritual grounding, it is about what the what you know the Bible says: love your neighbor as yourself. What every Christ, what every religious major, which every one of the major religions have a phrase that is similar to that, a lesson that is similar to you know the bottom line is love, and you're supposed to love other people um, equally to the way you love yourself and the way you love God. So it's worded a little differently, but if you look at the you know 20 major religions, they all have a place in their key lessons that relates to that. And so a lot of what I do, even though it's set in a business context, is really all about this live from, you know, wake up, live from your spiritual values about treating people with respect and treating people people equally to you. For me, it's not about the politics. It's not about what, you know, the government laws. I maybe can use those as tools with some people. But it's that ministry part of it. But do I go into a corporation and say, okay, tell me what you learned about Jesus when you were six years old. And didn't Jesus tell you to love others? As, you know, didn't the Ten Commandments say love others? As you know, you know I, I, don't, I don't verbalize that, but I do do things and say things that I hope will take people back to whatever lessons they learned spiritually yes. about love. And I think as we speak in truths, we do connect to that true truth that people always have inside. You know, we can language it. In, right, you know, even if they didn't learn it from organized religion, right. Right. if there's that, you, you and I both believe that there is that core innate connection with God itself right. that is a part of every human being's creation. And I think that part will hook into conversations regardless of the language. If a truth is being spoken, there'll be a a welling up of sort. And I like what you did you no. Oh, I like what you said about uh, you know magical things happening. And I do think many times again it comes at the end when people when things start happening or things start flowing or things start going well in an organization or a life or any kind of um, end result seems really positive, then people are, like, attracted to that. They want that. 12-step programs talk about it being a program of attraction, not promotion. Mm -hmm. And um, there's some really clear um, guidelines within the principles of the 12-step programs. There's no billboards, there's no advertising for 12-step programs. The whole idea is for people to say, man, you know, your life's going really well. What are you doing? Well, I got sober, or I go to Al-Anon, or, you know, I work the 12 steps. So that concept of if I'm living an authentic life, and I'm living from the inside out, then people are going to be attracted to what's happening for me, and they're going to be saying, you know, what What do you do, Leslie? What's going on? And then I can, you know, point them into different directions. So I do think that um, the result of living that authentic inside-out kind of life it has a tangible thing that people would be would seek after. I agree. I agree. I think that is the most powerful way. So um, let's take a little break. And we have several listeners uh, listening live on. Li- I'm listening 
on by phone versus online. And uh, when we come back, if any of them have uh, comments they want to add or questions they want to ask, we'll be able to take them and include them into the conversation. Um, I just will remind any of you listening by phone, if you do have a comment or would like to ask a question, you need to press the one on your phone pad so that we will know that you're not just listening in, but that you actually want to be included in the conversation. So we'll take a break, and we will be right back. day-to-day experience, um, 
it really does take it to a deeper level. So I'm always thinking in terms of spiritual practices and different things we can do and that connecting with other people and hearing my own self. You said it yourself a minute ago. You said, now that I'm saying it out loud, because I can go on all sorts of rabbit trails in my mind and they make sense to me, but then when I speak them and I'm looking at someone or I'm having, I'll think, oh, goodness, no, that's not what I think. You know? right. Right. Or, or that's what I think, but I don't want to think that. <laughs> I don't want to think that's not, that's not how yeah. I want to think. Let me change that thought. Exactly. Yeah, that that is so true. And, you know, it is funny when this comes up on the show, I'm always reminded that we don't grow up thinking of interacting with other people as a spiritual practice. Yes. You know, but interacting with other people in structured ways around spiritual, our own spiritual development truly is a spiritual practice, something that we can choose to include in our lives that can make a tremendous difference. So whether that's, yeah, meeting with a friend who, with whom you can have that conversation with, like we do every Saturday now, or if it is going to a class, or if it is, you know, just having, you know, I have people who listen to the show have heard this before. I have two friends who we do a conference, and we live in three different cities, and we do a conference called Twice a Month. And part of that is just catching up with what's going on in each other's lives. But a huge part of it is because we have been unofficial and informal spiritual partners, you know, holding each other to our dreams and to, um, you know, in some ways we sometimes joke about being self-help junkies and, you know, spiritual development junkies, like what's the latest book you've read and what did you learn from it and, you know, oh, where are you in Course of Miracles right now and what's, what, what is that bringing up for you? And so it's like we have for, wow, almost 20 years. Like Yikes! 15, one of them I've known for 18 years, 18 wow. or 19 years, and the other one I've known for 15 years. And we have always, we never had a conversation, we didn't have a conversation to sit down and say, these are the ground rules for our friendship. But we just gravitated. We were reading the same kinds of books. You know, we liked and believed a lot of the same kinds of things. And over the years, it has become a, really a spiritual practice. I love it. And, um, yeah, two, ti- two times a month, set phone calls. Oh, right. Cause, so you don't have to be in the same city. Or maybe you want to have a spiritual practice with your sister, but she lives across the country. You know, Skype. Phone. Yeah, that whole Skyping thing, I don't know what that means, but yes, it's a picture thing, right, where you get to see them while you talk to them, is that what that is? Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it, there is a lot of different ways for people to connect, and that is, I guess that's the key, is the connecting, the connecting with other, I was going to say like-minded people, but then I really like connecting with unlike-minded people. <laughs> yes, because that helps you reinforce what you really believe. Right. 
as long as you can do it without making them wrong because they believe something different. I know that's sometimes challenging for some people. She says she meant to say challenging for me. No, I, just, I would never judge I think, you. I, I think I'm just that. being helpful. I just. <laughs> Helping people come along to that next step of maturity, thinking that I that I can offer them. You know, one of my did I interrupt you? No, one of your one of my uh, favorite sayings is, "I don't have to know who you are to be who I am." Yes, and um, and that came. That I started using that during a period of time when by human appearance I was not being treated fairly and it would have been easy for me to be angry, resentful, um, you know, to, to kind of be in the victim mode but definitely to be in the strike back mode. And, um, and Several people in a relatively short period of time, independent of one another, asked me a question that was similar to, "How are you? You know, how are you dealing with this? How are you handling this? And why aren't you like lashing out or striking back? You're so calm and peaceful." And and it's like it, it came to me that I have to live by my standards, and I am a person who is loving. I am a person who is full of joy. I am a person you know, who has peace with God. I am a person, you know, and it was all these attributes of God and of being not religious but being spiritually grounded, that what these other folks were doing was really more about them than me. And they were not at peace and they, you know, were working from ego and I knew I was going to be okay. And so I started using that phrase a lot. Well, you know, I don't have to know who you are to show up as who I know I am, who I am supposed to be in the world. And that really strikes me, which, you know, it's that living from the inside out in spite of what's going on around you. Right. And that can be hard, but I'm thinking back at that point in time, it was, it really was easy because that was my perspective. You know, I knew there were other options. I knew I could gossip about what's going on. I knew I could tell certain people kind of the backstory so that they would realize that I was being treated unfairly. And it's like I didn't have any energy for that. Not me. I would want to everybody know what the SOBs were doing. But that's just me and my path at work. <laughs> I set you up for that really well. You did, didn't you? Yes, and I knew you would be able to look, resist the I line. Uh -huh, uh -huh. The line. Look, look what they're doing to me. Or to her. Or, or to, to her. Girl. Yes, that's right. I'd have to help you. God, Lord, I'd have to help you. <laughs> this is our uh, time to talk about catchphrases. There's another catchphrase in 12-step programs. And it, it, therapy uses it a lot in terms of comparing my insides to other people's outsides yeah. and many times um, if I don't share the truth of my struggle the truth of my insecurity the truth of my ponderings and I just look around I think everybody's got it together everybody knows what they're doing you see this external kind of mask that we wear 
then we miss that opportunity, I think, of going deeper. So in a strange way, by sharing my vulnerabilities or sharing what's going on inside of me or my confusions about, you know, living from the inside out or how do I do that or my struggles with that, if I don't share that with people, then then I never get to that deeper level of understanding how much alike we all are and that someone else's outsides, you know, are portraying one thing when internally they're, you know, having the same anxiety or fears or wonderings or ponderings or uncertainties that I am. And so getting it to that more authentic level quicker is my idea of fun, getting people to have those kind of deeper conversations. And it definitely appears to be, well, that's, that doesn't definitely and appears to be, don't go together <laughs> <laughs> But it does appear, as I have gotten to know you, it does appear that it is a part of your life mission to be of service to others. And I I think all, in their spiritual journey, I think all of us have something within us that has been placed there in order to be of service to others. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Mine is just yours really is aggressive. More, well, yours is, is more, yeah, from a healing point of view. So, you know, from a healing and moving forward on their own spiritual journey, I mean, you definitely, definitely have that in your DNA. It is not something you just... I can't control. Well, I mean, it's not something that is just an ego idea of yours. Oh, it's really right. how you're wired. True, true. Um, managing it. <laughs> maybe the, making it user maybe friendly. The, right, maybe the issue, but it's it is definitely not something you've just chosen to do and put that coat on. It's it's really who you are. Yes, yes, yes. And finding the ways to do that, mm-hmm. you know, because it's not like you just. I mean, this is who you've been since you were a kid. Right, right. So, and that's often a real good clue for us. You know, what did we naturally do and what were we passionate about when we were young before Mm, we had all the messages about you need to make a living and you need to, you know, make money and you need to do X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Definitely a clue. So in the Science of Mind textbook, one uh, it says, the inner mind knows infinitely more than the intellect. The inner mind knows infinitely more than the intellect. So then your definition of the intellect would be the human? Right, the human brain and okay. the, right. you know, the knowledge of the world, what we think, what we think with our human brain thinking and what we've learned on earth versus our inner mind, the knowingness of the universe, the knowingness of God, the spiritual direction, knows infinitely more Infinitely is a it's a little bit of a kick. Yeah. Yeah. Infinitely more than the intellect. And you know, we've talked about um or I talked about slowing myself down, paying attention to my physical body mm-hmm. to get in touch with that, that that um inner mind. Um I know you are are doing some visioning right now on a project for the Center for Spiritual Living, but visioning has been one of the things that you do. I I uh can't slow my mind down quite enough, long enough to do that. But that's another spiritual practice of getting in touch with that inner 
inner being, because I do think it takes some, and I'm refusing to use the word work, but it takes some practice. Thank you. Thank you. Some practice, some um, attention, uh, you know, to get into the flow of listening to that inner being. Okay, so that's a really good point, but I just cannot let this moment go Ah. uncelebrated. Yes. That there are synonyms. For the word, word, for the four-letter word, <laughs> word <laughs> that have a different tone to yes, them. That yes, yes. practice is practice, practice. Yes. and uh, uh, paying attention to something is simply paying attention to it. And neither one of those had the vibration of angst and clinging <laughs> and <laughs> I just want to strangle myself. Or yes, yes, that the other four-letter word that starts with a W, w. and ends with a K. Yeah, yeah. A whole different... It's so nice to have a conversation with you with a different tenor. And okay. it is interesting, though. I do think it's been a process for me because I do think it is like anything else. Things, when you start off, they feel like work. They feel horrible and evil and nasty. That's not everyone's definition of work. Not my but definition yes, of work. Yes, but, so, uh, yes. but practice and um, yes, and awareness are two big things. And it is the practice of um, meditation, going, you know, having that kind of silent daily practice of going within. It remind me of what we say about visioning is receiving and meditation is. Receiving. Receiving. Thank you. That's not, yeah. So that means the same thing. <laughs> well, actually, when you, said that that about, when you said that about, you know, visioning and you not so much, um, I, I actually do laugh when you say that because I know that you have over the years developed a meditation practice that you see benefits and feel and experience benefits from. And truly, visioning is simply meditation with a kind of like a, a, a focus of I'm receptive to whatever the universe and whatever God, whatever spirit wants me to know about this specific thing. I mean, that's the only difference, that you frame it in, you know, for these next few minutes, I'm receptive to knowing about spirit's highest vision for whatever the topic of the visioning is. So you're simply saying I'm receptive here, which is what you're doing in meditation. Um, the visualizing is the one that's directive where compared to visioning. Visualizing where you do a, a vision board or a treasure map and you say, these are the things I want. Universe, bring me these things. This is what I most desire. Affirmations are directive. directive. I'm affirming this is who I am. This is how I feel when certain things happen. And I am claiming that and I am directing the universe, to shift everything in my life and in my beliefs so that this is what I experience. So if I wanted to get more in touch with my inner being, my inner wisdom, what was the terminology that our science of mind book? The infinite wisdom of the... Yeah, that's the word I'm searching for, that thing, that that inner... Yeah, the inner mind. Inner mind. It's more, is infinitely more powerful than the intellect. The inner mind. 
so a practice of, medit- of either meditation or visioning would get me more in touch with that inner mind connection to know what's going on. Yes, on the inside versus. Yes, and it's so funny because we say on the inside, right? And then we know that spirit and God is infinite and everywhere, inside and outside of us. But it just seems more accessible when we say the, you know, the voice inside of us compared to thinking the voice of the universe. And it's like it's a both and. It's the same voice, but we can feel it coming from within us um, in a way that's really very powerful, intuition. Yes. And this is, um, as we're winding down, far too deep of a philosophical question to ponder today, but the concept that I really like in terms of the inner voice being the same as the outer one energy divine is the concept that I'm a drop in the ocean, so I have all the same elements as the ocean, but then the ocean is this divine spirit. So getting in touch and living within the inside of my one drop, and um, but having access to the whole ocean, you know, that to me is a is a paradox that I kind of struggle with, that my one drop really isn't the ocean. I, Right, yes. So that's a, that's a whole other challenge. Yeah, I say, and that is so interesting because it makes sense to our intellect. It's like it gives our brain a way to frame it, mm-hmm. and then when we try to really understand it and go beyond the surface explanation, then we start going in this circle or get in this loop of, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, but I am, but I'm, yeah. Uh-huh. But I am, but I am, but, yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, so of course, as usual, we haven't like solved any of the world's <laughs> biggest problems, but we've had a great conversation. Great conversation. I encourage everyone just to have great conversations. There's no real right answers. Right. And what it means to say yes to spirit is really that living, living from our internal knowledge, from our inner mind, and not only from our intellect. And and so I I I love that. Um, and next week we are going to be talking about gossip. Golly, that is going to be a fun I love show. gossip. <laughs> and I'm, what does gossip? What does saying yes to spirit? Oh, that takes all the fun out of gossip. Uh, well, maybe that's where we'll start <laughs> the show. And um, we thank you for listening to the show today, whether you're listening live or by recording. And if you have suggestions for future shows, please send us a comment on the homepage at blogtalkradio.com forward slash YTS. And until we meet again, say yes, yes to spirit.
Alexa, play Whitney Houston. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get access to over 50 million songs. Download the Amazon Music app today.